I go solo today really just to ask one question. Will Mitch do something? I don't know. He hasn't done it in the regular season before, but we'll discuss all of it today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. I'm Walker Mail. I'm on WFNZ 92.7 FM from 12 to 3 p.m. every Monday through Friday. Wes and Walker is what you're listening to. Wes Bryant, somebody that you've uh, heard on this podcast before, so I do a show with him. Been doing that since November. You can check us out there. Usually, I'm joined by my co-host, Doug Branson. You can find his Substack Every Hornets Box Score, on everyhornetsboxscore.com. Not joining me today, got family stuff to do, so I'm going to be knocking this one out solo, and um, we'll have Doug back at the beginning of next week. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. So before we get into the trade deadline, I wanted to address a mistake that I had on the last podcast. Some of you killed me for for it. Some of you just had friendly reminders, but I should have gotten it right. And I talked about LaMelo Ball's injury, and I said he landed on P.J. Washington's foot in that most recent game against the Houston Rockets, when that's not true. It was the other way around. It was P.J. Washington actually landing on the foot of LaMelo Ball, and that's how LaMelo suffered that injury. So it wasn't the other way around. I just misspoke, and I should get that right. So whether you destroyed me for it, whether you just told me that, hey, man, you got it wrong, you should have mixed it up the other way, then um, I appreciate it because I should have gotten it right. And with this injury, the good news is, that he didn't need an x-ray, that LaMelo didn't have to undergo further testing to gauge the severity of this injury, and this all according to Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. He said that the Hornets can take some solace in at least considering it's not going to be as serious as some of those other ankle sprains. And LaMelo said, quote, stuff like this happens, but you've always got to look at the bright side. It could have been worse, so I guess I'm blessed. It might not feel like that for Hornets fans watching the injury here to the best player on the roster. But LaMelo looking at it from a pretty positive point of view. And Steve Clifford said, I was proud of the guys, the way they hung together, fought hard, made a bunch of plays. They were in the fourth quarter to win. And they were able to get that victory um, despite not having LaMelo. And with him being sidelined for 24 games already this year after badly tweaking the ankle injury that he suffered in the preseason did it again right earlier this year against the Pacers when he actually did land on somebody's foot. It was a, a, a fan sitting courtside. Um, this is not that same ankle, but still a couple of ankle and sprains that have uh, hurt LaMelo Ball so far. So just wanted to correct that real quickly. P.J. Washington actually landed on LaMelo Ball's foot, and that's how LaMelo got injured. The good news is also that I can't imagine the Charlotte Hornets are going to trade LaMelo, nor should they, as me and Doug have talked about before. He's the only untradeable asset, the only untradeable player on this roster, and it's not really all that close. Everybody else, up for grabs. Mason Plumley playing well, Plum Dog Millionaire, the lefty jumper and all, having one of the better seasons of his career, and as much as I have been willing to move on from him in the past. As much as I was excited at first 
because the way they acquired him was getting a second-round pick that turned into JT Thor. It's like, all right, Mason can be this backup center. But instead, he's turned to the starter. Never worked out all that great. But now he's actually playing better, and so I think now is the time to capitalize on his trade value, and you could see him moving to a different team. Kelly Oubre is another person that I think is going to gauge some uh, trade interest from other teams. And Terry Rozier, that's the one, right? Terry has always been the guy that would make sense this season if the Hornets decide to turn the other direction and just go in full tank mode. And the way the season has gone, with all of the injuries, Terry has been the player that the Lakers were interested in, and now he's mentioned in quite a few fake trades. I wanted to get to this Bobby Marks trade that was put out there. I believe it was on ESPN. And it was between the Charlotte Hornets and the Dallas Mavericks. And so this is the trade he poses. Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, and Jalen McDaniels. All right? Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre, Jalen McDaniels. Mitch Kupchak would be sending those three players to the Dallas Mavericks. And in return, you would get Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Pertans, and a 2027 first-round pick that is top 10 protected. So again, Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Bertans, and a 2027 first-round pick, but it's top 10 protected. Most people looked at this and threw it in the trash, and they said it was an awful trade idea from Bobby Marks. And I get it. I'm not doing this either. Let's just go ahead and answer the question before I start to talk a little bit about the philosophy of it, right? I'm not doing this trade. But the first-round pick is valuable. And oftentimes when we talk about first-round picks, sometimes people put more stock into them. And then they'll argue, well, you're trading a first-round pick, and that first-round pick might not turn out to be the good player that you're trading. Well, in Terry Rozier's sense, we know that's all contract-related, so that's what you're trying to do there, just get off of the money, given the direction this franchise might take. Jalen McDaniels, as much as I love him, right, I can understand the value of trading Jalen for a top-10 protected first-round pick. But for me, perception is reality. And as far as it surrounding the first round picks and GMs value the hell out of those. And so even if that might be true, that first round pick might not turn out to be anything. GMs value the hell out of them. And so they hold a lot of value in the league. That's the market. And so you have to consider it. Tim Hardaway Jr., Davies Bertans, they're going to both be on your payroll for a couple more years. They're both make after this season, by the way. So if you look at Dallas's payroll, I'm going to pull it up just real quickly. But I believe... Both of those players that you would be getting in return are making something to the uh, to the tune of seventeen million dollars per season, and that would be the next two years after this year is over and done with. And so that's not necessarily as tantalizing, right? Yeah. And so both thirty years old, they're both making seventeen million dollars in twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. And then Bertans has a $16 million contract in 2024-2025, but it's non-guaranteed. Tim Hardaway does have the fully guaranteed money at $16.1 million. So those contracts would not come off of the books. Guaranteed, Bertans would be interesting, but Hardaway at $16.1, you'd probably just you know figure out something to do with Bertans. I, I just giving up Jalen McDaniels for the first round pick, I get it, but then also giving up all of that for the first rounder, but you still have to take on some money that hits you not only after this season is done, but two seasons after that, right? Like maybe if those contracts for both of those players were expiring after next season, I might consider this a little bit more. But you're with Hardaway Jr. for a little bit, 
and Davis Bertans a little bit as well. And so I, I just I don't know if the first round pick is tantalizing enough to me to go ahead and pull the trigger on this deal. Most people said this is an awful trade, right? Like I I don't know if I would say it's the worst thing that I've ever seen. If you're a Hornets fan, NBA pundits love to just dump on Charlotte. They love to just say, hey, they'll accept anything. It doesn't matter. Just give them anything. And then, you know, the the one decently good player on the roster, just give him to another team because they could use him and they'll take your trash. But I, I don't know if Mitch Kupchak operates that way. And that's actually what I want to get to right now. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast, I, I do want to talk a little about the philosophy that Mitch Kupchak has taken. And I do kind of want to take you down a lot of the proposed trades from NBA pundits, from Bobby Marks, and from other people that have dabbled in that line of thinking here on what the Hornets could give up and what the Hornets could get back in return come the February 9th trade deadline. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools, and they go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post and uh, and your company, and what they have is eight hundred and seventy five million dollar excuse me eight hundred and seventy five million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. So you can identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs, and you can connect with them fast and for free. So LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications, all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, and you can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So we have plenty more on the trade deadline coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I'm glad we have YouTube now for everybody to see just how bulk you are. Can you give us a gun show flash real quick? Oh, yeah. Me and you, man. Look look at that drape. That's 100% grade A. Look, here I am doing it. Look at these noodle arms right here. Look, they just flow. We got it. Listen. Listen. Yep. Yeah. You want long, chicken wings? Arms. Yeah, if you're if you've been starving for some chicken wings, this is the show for you, folks. <laughs> YouTube.com yeah. I mean, forward slash chicken wings. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I don't know why I play that one when Doug's not here. It makes me laugh, but also it just shows my noodle arms that could hula hoop through a Cheerio. I don't know why I do that, so I'm going to play a different one next time, and next time I go solo. You're not going to see that one anymore. I think I'm getting at Doug, but then I also make fun of myself, and so I'm just not going to do that anymore. We appreciate you joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Remember, you can catch me, WFNZ, 12-3, also Doug, on everyhornetsboxscore.com. I want to look at this profile of the Charlotte Hornets that Bobby Marks wrote on ESPN. We're just sticking with Doug's sweet baby Bobby Marks here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And so if you look at some of the names to note, he puts the same guys that I talked about, Kelly Oubre, Mason Plumley, and Jalen McDaniels, because I think those are the guys that might be the most attractive pieces for other teams. And Jalen McDaniels, yes, contractually, but also because of his actual ability on the floor, that's going to be intriguing for a lot of different franchises Kelly Oubre Mason Plumley, they're on non-guaranteed contracts right and so that's exactly why Bobby puts him in here 
He says the Hornets' goal leading up to the deadline should be to build for the future, starting with moving the expiring contracts of Kelly, making $12.6 million, and Mason Plumley making $9.1 million. And before having surgery on his left hand, we can all acknowledge that Kelly Oubre was having a better season than he had in years past, even with the efficiency being about the same shooting the three-point shot. We know that he was on pace to average 20 points per game. We know that he had to step up in a role that wasn't best suited for him as far as team success. I know Kelly wants to be that guy that has looked to score, and he has been able to do that this year. Um, But in in the games that he's come off of the bench, he's only averaged 14.5 points per game, 36% shooting overall. That includes 8 of 35 on three-pointers. We do know that Kelly has talked in the past in his career about how he'd rather start. Kelly Oubre also is not slated to come back this season until mid-February. So we're about a month out, maybe a little less than that, before Kelly can come back. And how much value is a team willing to give up to get Kelly in return when you don't even know if you're going to sign him long-term, even if that team does like Kelly? So, of course, he's going to be in a multiplayer trade. And then I think the same thing can be said for Mason Plumley. He can he can start in some of those spots where you have some injuries with your front big guy. At the same time, Mason is not someone you're investing in for the future. Maybe you could call this some kind of breakout year if he was younger and he was doing this, if he was 25 years old. But he's past 30, and we know that you don't expect this to continue to go up as his career goes on. Even though he's averaging a career high, 11.3 points. He's shooting 65% from the field. It's his best field goal percentage in a season since 2013 and 2014. He's also averaging close to four assists per game, and that ranks top five among centers. He's always kind of been known as a good passing big guy. And even when you were with Denver, you had Nikola Jokic and Mason on that squad, which is crazy. So those two guys are going to get some value in return. But McDaniels, McDaniels is the one, right? We've heard Shams put out there that Phoenix was interested, even though that kind of got dismissed by uh, uh, Arizona radio sports personality. Even though it got dismissed, I could see Phoenix being very interested in Jalen McDaniels. I could see Toronto, same thing. He's only 24 years old. He's averaging close to 11 points per game. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. So, yes, you could talk about him being just a rental, but that's a rental worthwhile. That's a guy that you bring in so you might have the inside track at re-signing him. And it's not like he's going to eat a ton of your payroll either way. Maybe I'm just, I wonder if I'm just naive to the kind of payday he's going to get. Because I don't expect him to get paid a whole lot of money. It's certainly going to be more than what was expected coming into the season. I'm not denying that by any stretch. But I don't think he's going to be making $15 million a year. I still think it's going to be something below that. And I think that is why he's so valuable right now. So the big question is whether Mitch Kupchak is actually going to pull the trigger on any of these deals. And I've actually defended Mitch in some of these areas the last couple of seasons because it's just such a different philosophy than what you had with Rich Cho. Rich Cho was called Trader Cho for a reason. He was going to make a million different deals with a million different franchises. A lot of them didn't work out. There were some decent trades in there, but a lot of them didn't work out. The Miles Plumley, speaking of Plumleys, Miles Plumley comes to mind. I was on the air when that came in real time, and I had zero clue what I was looking at. They were looking at me, some of the other hosts, like, hey, can you make sense of this? And I couldn't do it. 
And so the Hornets got punked in a trade deadline deal. And Mitch Kupchak at least hasn't gotten punked in those kinds of deals. He's only made a couple. If you look at the only deals that he's made, it was for Brad Wanamaker. It was the first in-season trade, I believe, that Mitch Kupchak made. So it was for Brad Wanamaker, and I believe that was the whole cash considerations thing. And then the other trade he made was last year, where he traded Vernon Carey and Ish Smith, and he got Montrez Harrell in return. And I think it was a worthwhile trade. Montrez eventually going to Philadelphia, but loved what Montrez brought for that little half a season, not even. Loved what he brought to you. But it's also not the largest trade in the world. And this is the time where you're going to be making quite a bit of trades, and yet you have a GM that hasn't operated that way this past year, or the past tenure here with the Charlotte Hornets. And so when you talk about Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets now just taking on all of this trash, all of these bad contracts, things that aren't very valuable, and then sending out a Jalen McDaniels or a P.J. Washington, who's a good player, the only reason you would trade him is because you don't want to pay him 15 to maybe $20 million, depending on how much the other team values him. I feel like that was more so the Rich Cho era, right? Like, you can't dump your trash on the Hornets anymore, and it's not even saying that Mitch Kupchak is this great GM. It's that he doesn't do it. <laughs> it's that he doesn't do something, as you see in the bullet points that are listed to my uh, to my side. Like, that's that's just not how it goes. And so I don't know if that if that philosophy, if that way of thinking that the Hornets can be taken advantage of, I don't know if that's something that happens anymore, not at least via the trade market. And so when you when you see Sacramento, I mean, you, you hear podcasters, you hear people talk about it all the time, how GMs operate in it. Well, Sacramento's always there. They'll do something stupid. We'll, we'll trade. We'll, we'll just do a trade with them. Like they're, they're willing to give up whatever. They're desperate to make the playoffs. Mitch Kupchak clearly has not been desperate to make the playoffs. He's always wanted this goal, to make the playoffs and have a chance to advance. And so he's been reluctant to make any move. If he didn't feel like it was going to get them at least to the second round or give them a spot, give them a shot, I should say, to get them to the second round. At some point, you got to take the risk. And Mitch Kupchak now clearly doesn't have a roster that's good enough to get to the play-in let alone move to the second round and get to the playoffs. And so now this is the time where you take those risks. You just can't get beaten so much on value where you might trade Terry Rozier because you don't want the contract. That's fine. I would hold on to Gordon Hayward because I think he'll bring more value in the offseason because he'll be on an expiring contract at that point. And I just don't think anybody's going to be doing that this time. We'll see about Jalen. We'll see about PJ. There's so many different routes they can take. I do want to mention some of the other trades that have been listed out there. So coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast, I'll give you specifics on some of the other deals that have been written in columns and articles and just bring them to your attention. Then you can decide whether you like that trade or not. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and the calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know my goal is to eat a little healthier. I'm trying to do it as best I can. One thing that's helping me is by eating Built Bars because not only am I getting the protein, not only am I getting something that is low in calories but high in fiber and low in sugar and all that good stuff, it actually tastes like a candy bar. All of them are covered in 100% chocolate. The flavors are great, whether you want peanut butter brownie, whether you want a churro flavor, 
whether you want coconut almond. They've got fruit and chocolate. The intersection of fruit and chocolate is fantastic. And what's great about it, too, is you used to have to just go to Built.com and get these things. Well, now they're at your local Walmart and your local Sam's Club. So you can go buy them in bulk if you want to. Sam's Club, what you can do is get a 13-bar box with all the hit flavors. 13 bar box is what you can get at Sam's Club. So you can buy them in bulk. You can also go to Walmart or, again, order Built Bars at Built.com. You will not regret it. They are fantastic. You will be eating something healthier, and it will feel like you're eating just a normal candy bar. Coming up next, as I mentioned, we'll talk a little bit more of the specific trades that have been put out there as to maybe um, uh, listing something that the Charlotte Hornets possibly could be doing. We'll talk about that next on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. Walker, sometimes you don't have to have the best package. Okay. Sometimes you just have to have the only package. If you wait, or this is uh, if my dating life uh, taught me anything, sometimes you just have to wait around long enough until you're the only thing remaining. And then suddenly you look pretty great in comparison. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, let's take a look at some of these trades. Bobby Marks still on the ESPN page where he was discussing this rundown of what the Hornets could do, some of the players to pay attention to under the trades we would like to see in that category of the write-up. He says, Jalen McDaniels to the Lakers for Winyan Gabriel and three second-round picks, the Lakers pick in 2023 and 2027, the Bulls pick in 2023. So those... <laughs> That's that's the first one. McDaniels to the Lakers for Winyan Gabriel and three second round picks. I mean, that's the one that I get a little bit more angry about than the first one because at least you get a top 10 protected first round pick. And the Dallas Mavericks have some potential disaster. I mean, right, like you expect Dallas not to finish in the lottery in that back half of the lottery, right? You, you would expect them to you know, have that pick protected if they get too bad, and, and it's not going to be a fantastic selection. But you know, you you just have some insurance if Luka Doncic ends up leaving, demanding a trade because you didn't replace Jalen Brunson adequately enough. We know that Luka is just an absolute star. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying you, you could find value in a first round pick with the Dallas Mavericks, 100%. And with the Lakers, those second round picks are going to be early. The Hornets already have eight second-round picks available to send in a trade. So if you get three more, and Mitch Kupchak, he loves accumulating second-rounders. But if all you're getting in return is Wenyan Gabriel and three second-rounders, and you're giving up Jalen McDaniels, that's just something I'm not doing. So no, I hope Mitch Kupchak would say no to that. The other one he lists here is a little bit more interesting. P.J. Washington to Indiana. For Chris Duarte, remember he killed us in his debut in the NBA. P.J. Washington to Indiana for Chris Duarte and the 2023 first-round pick from Cleveland. I don't know the protections on those. It's not listed here. But we do know that P.J. and Chris Duarte are guys that suited up against one another where P.J. in his rookie game against the Chicago Bulls he hit seven three-pointers and was absolutely fantastic. And then Chris Duarte actually did something like that in his debut at the Spectrum Center where he hit like six or seven three-pointers. That would be a game that the Hornets would end up winning. P.J. Washington having a good defensive bout there with DeMontis Sabonis. So 
Yeah, that one. That one's interesting. I don't know the protections on the first round pick. I'm, you know, try to look it up. I don't know if I can find it quickly enough as I move on. But Chris Duarte, I think defensively in the backcourt would really help you. One thing you do have to remember here, though, is Duarte was an older player coming into the league as soon as he exited Oregon. I mean, he was, you know, he's he's going to be 26 years old next season. He's 25, 220 days, according to basketball reference, and he'll be 26 once he starts to get going for you next year. P.J. Washington right now is just 24 years old. He's a whole two years younger. Yes, you're going to have to pay P.J. earlier, and he's going to be a decent amount of money. So if you weren't going to pay P.J. Washington, I guess I wouldn't hate this deal, depending on the protections of that pick with Cleveland. But I think that you could squeeze for something a little bit more for for a P.J. Washington. And and that's what I would like to do if you were just not going to pay him that. Um, I, I would like to get something a little bit more in return. The Duarte numbers, if you look at what he's done throughout his two-year career, this season he hasn't played all that many games, I think because of injury. So he's only averaged seven points per contest. He's not shooting well from three, under 30%. He did shoot 37% on four and a half attempts per game from three last year. And so it is within his arsenal. He's only shooting 33% overall from the field. That's very bad. He shot 43% overall from the field just last season. So you would expect those numbers to go up. And it's really hurt by his injury. But I just don't know if Duarte is the guy, even if he's a former first-round pick, that I would be sending to bring on another first rounder and sending that to Indiana. I just feel like Indiana is getting the better end of that deal too. And then the last one we can mention, it's been mentioned before, but I'll, I'll throw it out there again. Cause I, I think I've seen it circulating on Twitter a little bit. Zach Lowe, other podcasters have kind of talked about golden state as being a possibility for PJ. And so what you would do is you would get Moses Moody and James Wiseman in return. And you would send out, pj washington and you would also send out um let me pull it up real quickly yeah so so you would get james wiseman moses moody you would send out pj washington and jalen mcdaniels and mason Plumley. and i'm i mean i'm just not doing that one that that one's bad to me moses moody is going the absolute wrong direction no development is not on an escalator moses moody still could develop into a, a pretty nice player but he's going the wrong direction now where he got some valuable playoff minutes last year but I mean, he's not even really in the rotation. He, he doesn't look up to speed. Wiseman, we know the kind of wrong direction that he's taking. And now you have Mark Williams playing really well. That actually gives you maybe a little leverage, which might not be talked about enough, to be honest with you. I mean, if you're thinking about what the Hornets have been discussed, the, the, the category that the Hornets have been discussed in every time during trades, it's been, oh, they desperately need a big guy. They're, hey, just, just give them anything. And just give them a big guy, and they'll give you anything in return, so make sure you can squeeze them. And, and Mitch Kupchak has not relented to that. But now you really have just a tiny bit of leverage with the fact that your first-round pick in Mark Williams had just ate Alperen Shengun for dinner against the uh, Houston Rockets, just destroyed him, and then also offensively gave you 17 points. And he's really starting to pick up what he's supposed to do very, very quickly. And so the fact that he's playing well right now it gives you some leverage to not just give up so many different assets to go get Miles Turner, to go get some of these centers that have been mentioned in trades before. 
And so that that's that's the bright spot, right? That's what I tweeted out and said in the last episode. He is the grows, excuse me, he's the rose growing in the desert, growing from the crack in the cement that doesn't look like it can support life. Mark Williams is the guy that has provided some kind of bright spot. And LaMelo could if he was playing, but he suffered another injury. It's really unfortunate. Freak injury. And so I, I'm not going to call him injury prone. But I also, if you're the Charlotte Hornets, I'd really like to be very careful with LaMelo. Hold him on the bench unless he's really 100%. And even then, maybe it makes sense to just hit the reset button altogether and then figure out what you want to do at the trade deadline. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for joining me on the solo quest to help you break down some of these trades that have been listed out there the Hornets could possibly undergo come February 9th. Thanks for making us your first listen, too. Remember, we're free and available anywhere you get your pods, as is Game to Game NBA. Make that your second listen. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday.